They're beautiful, aren't they? Stars. I mean, I never look at them anymore, but they actually are quite um, beautiful. Yeah, they are. That's Tommy Lee Jones playing Agent K in the 1997 movie Men in Black. And Kelly Beatty, senior editor at Sky and Telescope, says this weekend is a really good time to take Tommy Lee Jones's advice. Kelly, welcome back to Studio 2. Hey, my pleasure, Tina. Hello. Hello. They are beautiful. They are. And, you know, most people think of stargazing as something you do in the summer. And I get it that it's cold. But in the wintertime, the nights are longer. The air is clearer, generally, and the stars can be breathtaking. So, yes, let's go outside. Okay, so I want to point out right now, this will be the only moment in this entire winter when I will be grateful that the nights are longer. Kelly Beanie, <laughs> the only moment. All right, so listen, I want to I want to jump right in for folks. Coming up this weekend, you want us to turn our eyes to the skies and look for something kind of particular. Right, so... Um, Throughout, you know, we get different stars at different times of the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think of Scorpius as the constellation of summer, Leo in the spring. In the wintertime, it's Orion, Orion, the great hunter of mythology. And so at about 8 o'clock, and it doesn't need to be just this weekend, but any time in the coming weeks. Nice. All right. Um, turn to the south uh, at about 8 p.m. and look up in the sky. And... Orion is unmistakable. He's really one of those constellations that looks like what it's supposed to be. You'll know you're looking in the right direction because you'll see three stars, very medium, uh, very obvious, but very close together in, in a row. That's the belt of Orion. Orion's belt, which ever since I was a little kid, I could actually see. It was like the one time I actually felt like I understood any constellation in the sky. Exactly. And so let's trace out his body a little bit. To the upper left of that belt is a really bright star that is we call Betelgeuse. A lot of people say Betelgeuse. Yes, they do. Right? After that crazy character in okay, the movie. Which you know, you know we're yes. going to do some sound from that, right? Okay. You know we had to. Here it is. Beetle breakfast, uh, beetle drink, beetle, uh, 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 beetle juice. Yes, that's it. Name's Beetlejuice. Ah, you said it twice. Just say it once more. Come on. Okay, 1988, Winona Ryder, Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice permanently ruined the pronunciation of the star forever. So tell us again how right. to pronounce it correctly. More correctly, it's Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. And so this is an incredible star. It marks the upper shoulder of Orion. Mm -hmm. It is one of the largest stars we know. Translates into roughly shoulder of the giant. Exactly. Now, if you took Betelgeuse and replaced it for the sun, mm -hmm. it would extend out somewhere between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. I'm not sure I understand what you mean. It Tell is me. enormously big. Mars, Earth, it would eat Venus, us. Mercury, we'd all be inside. Holy cow, I had no idea. Yeah, so, and, and so Betelgeuse. So it's huge. It is a, what we call a red supergiant star. And that's an important point because if you look in the other direction from the belt to the okay. lower right, okay. you'll see another almost equally bright star, and that marks the, the knee or foot of Orion. And yeah. that star is named Rigel. Rigel. Now, you, you're, you've got to believe me on this. Stars have color. Okay. And counterintuitively, the redder they are, the cooler they are. Okay. The bluer they are, the hotter they are. Okay. Betelgeuse so juice is, is warm. Is warm. So it will look kind of like weak ginger ale, pale, <laughs> orange, 
color. <laughs> I love it. Because if you compare it with Rigel okay. down to the lower right, yeah. Rigel is 21,000 degrees Fahrenheit on its surface. It that is a blue-white star. Very hot. Yeah. Rigel puts out 120,000 times more light than the sun does. And and it has this incredibly hot temperature. So you can see you in the sky, if you compare those two stars, you can tell there's a color shift. And congratulations for doing that. And by the way, I could look up there uh, anytime in the next few weeks and see those with my naked eye. Absolutely. Everything we're talking about here is naked eye. No experience necessary. So no cool. equipment necessary. Okay. And in fact, uh, let me just point out. Um, on the Sky and Telescope website, skyandtelescope.org, if you yeah. type in podcast in the search box, yeah. you'll get a 12-minute walk through the sky by me. Nice. So, so nice. any month you can do that. All Excellent. right. So Okay, keep going. So, all right. So here's Orion, and, and he's really, uh, uh, you know, the great hunter of the sky. Yep. To his left in the sky, we're going to walk around here a little bit, Okay. are two bright stars. The one... Lower down, closer to the horizon, is Sirius. Okay. The dog star, the greater dog, mm-hmm. the brightest star in the nighttime sky. It's, Sirius is the brightest star, not it, the North Star? Not the North Star. I did not know that. Polaris, the North Star, there's like 50 stars brighter. So Sirius is the brightest. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Stars are different brightness, and that's great because otherwise the sky would be boring. Right. Sirius is bright both because it's relatively nearby, mm-hmm. only about eight light years away, which is, you know, 50 trillion miles, but who's keeping <laughs> but track? But it's coming. <laughs> but it's also brighter by about 25 times than our sun. So okay. these stars all look bright relatively nearby. Yeah. S- above Sirius, by about, take your fist and clench it and hold your arm out by about two or three fists higher up in the sky, Okay. is Procyon. That's the little dog. Okay. So Orion so we've got has two these, dogs. We got a big dog and a little dog. Orion's hunting dogs, right? Okay. Now I want you to keep going clockwise yeah. around Betelgeuse. Think of Betelgeuse as being the center, the shoulder of the giant, right? Yep. Of, of this enormous six-sided thing that I'm going to describe here that takes up about half the sky. And it's called the winter something. The winter hexagon. The winter hexagon. A hexagon, yes. you'll recall from high school, is, is a six-sided. Right? There we go. So you keep going clockwise yep. past Procyon, and you'll come to Castor and Pollux. The twins. The twins of Gemini. Yeah, and we looked this up. So Castor and Pollux, uh, Castor being the mortal twin yes. of immortal Pollux right. in the legend. In the Greek legend, Pollux was fathered by Zeus, while Castor was followed fathered by the king of Sparta. You get an A. You go to the head of the class. Thank so you. That's you from t- the World History Encyclopedia and so Sky and Telescope. You can tell them apart. Pollux is a little bit brighter, and mm-hmm. Pollux is closer to Procyon, so P-P. Procyon being the little dog. The little dog. Right. right. So we keep going around the clock to almost overhead yeah. for the next star, which is called Capella. Okay. Now, Capella is in this odd constellation, uh, which is a kind of goat herder who moonlights as a charioteer. Uh, don't ask me why, but Auriga is- has got a side hustle as a charioteer. <laughs> Capella is uh, derives from an ancient word meaning the, the little goat. Okay. And so that's the goat herder part. Capella- so I'm just going to take a break here. Kelly Beatty, senior editor, Sky and Telescope magazine, is with us telling us how to look to the night sky this weekend and in the weeks to come. These are all stars that you can see with the naked eye around Orion and Orion's belt right now. Sorry, Kelly, go ahead. So Capella is one of the brightest stars in the sky, and it is so bright, again, because it's relatively nearby. But Capella is unusual in that 
um, there are multiple stars. You're, you're actually looking at four stars when you see this one point of light. Mm-hmm. And the brightest two are very much like our own sun, relatively the same temperature, the same age, the, the same size. We're going to keep going. Now we're sliding down toward the horizon. Okay. And you run into a, a, a not super bright star, but very obvious, called Aldebaran. Aldebaran. Aldebaran is the eye of Taurus the bull. Okay. And then you keep going around and you come back to Rigel. So, to recap. Okay, we got these six sides. Betelgeuse is in the center. Right. Go down to the lower left to yep. hit Sirius, then go around the clock to Procyon, Pollux and Castor, mm-hmm. Capella, Aldebaran, and Rigel, the winter hexagon. The winter hexagon, now these, all visible now when you look to the south. Now, you're, now I'm sure, Tiziana, you're going to ask, why are these bright stars all in this one place? Yeah, Kelly... Why are these bright stars all in one place? Well, I'm glad you asked because, <laughs> you know, we're, people have this sense of the Milky Way mm-hmm. and they think it's in the summertime. And that's true because in that time we're looking toward the center of our galaxy. All right. But right now we're looking, these winter stars are directly away from the center of the galaxy, but still in the disk of the Milky Way. They're all close by. They're all really bright. Relatively we're kind of speaking. looking at the winter Milky Way, and that's why we have all these bright stars in the sky. It's really a terrific time of year to be going outside and looking. And you can do this at like eight o'clock at night. At, you know, it's it's as you as you watch through the course of the night, they'll all shift to the to the west. Okay, you know, just like the sun and moon rise in the east and set in the west, so do the stars. Is there a time of night? I mean, let's pretend you don't need to sleep. Is there a time of night that would be best to view this winter hexagon? Yes, while you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I think 8 p.m. was a really great time. Okay. And, and I want to add one more uh, uh, stellar sparkler here. Yeah. High up in the west, yeah. you're going to see this super bright, not any of these stars, but brighter than all of them. That is not a star. That's the planet Jupiter. Okay. So you can see Jupiter with the naked eye, right? Yes, now. easily, it, it, easier than any of these other stars. And you know, this all applies even if you have light pollution. If you're looking from downtown Boston or one of the you know the more denser suburbs like you know Medford or Somerville, Somerville or someplace like that. I, I want to add here uh, before we get to the end: these stars that I just described. All you listeners out there, you can pr- participate in a citizen science project. Ooh, tell. Uh, that helps gauge how much light pollution you have in your location. No experience needed, no equipment needed. Just key on these stars that I just described. Go to the website globeatnight.org, globeatnight.org. It's been running for about 15 years. It's a global program to measure how much light pollution. And the researchers that use these data have put out a call for extra observations right now, this week. And so, and you might think, well, well, why does this matter? You know, I've all seen, we've all seen pictures of the earth from space and all the cities. That is a kind of a false sense of what's really going on the ground. These scientists need the ground truth of our eyeballs looking up into the night sky to get a good sense of how good or bad the light pollution really is. So globeatnight.org. So this is something where you could, let's say you're a family, you could take your kid you could go outside, you could participate in a global science experiment right now exactly. that would add to data that scientists around the world are collecting and at the same time 
enjoy the wonders of the night sky, and learn some things about the constellations. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. And you, when you go to the website, what will happen is they'll they'll give you some uh, uh, comparison maps. You let your eyes adjust to the darkness, like give them 10 or 15 minutes so you're— So bundle up, folks. Right, and get away from, like, your porch light and stuff like that. Okay. And then you compare what you see in the sky to these maps, and you come up with a number, what astronomers call the magnitude. Mm-hmm. You take that number— Yep. You go to the website, you plug that number in, your location, your sky conditions, you know, it's really simple. You And then you hit submit. And then you go over and there's this w- map of the world that you can find your dot that you just put in along with dots from everyone else in the world. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Last question. Um, if a family does want to invest right now in a telescope, let's say, because they want to do more of this kind of thing, is does is it expensive? Can you get something simple and inexpensive? What's your advice? Yes, you can. Now, don't ask me what kind to get because right. it's like me asking you what kind of car should I buy. Exactly. But um, you can get – first of all – as much as I like those those big box stores, don't yeah. go there. All okay. right, you, this is really an online purchase because okay. there's no telescope stores in the Boston area. But you want to get you can get a decent telescope for maybe three to four hundred dollars that will satisfy you and your whole family. Wonderful, wonderful. Kelly Beatty is senior editor at Sky and Telescope Magazine and our guide to the stars. It's been a while. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure, always. <laughs> 